third down and 20. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast. We're on episode 27, and we are filming this one week and one day before the start of NFL free agency. And you know what? I think that's something that we'll just jump right into because we have a few news and notes to get to. First one, obviously very big news. Dak Prescott re-signs with the Dallas Cowboys. I know I, for one, have been skeptical about that. I always thought the Cowboys were going to find a way to screw it up. Clearly, they didn't. Clearly, they found out that Dak has all the leverage and that they need their franchise quarterback. I don't know which one of you guys wants to take this to start off, but good deal for the Cowboys, good deal for Dak, bad deal. What do you guys think? I'll grab it, sure. Um, You can go ahead, Chick. Sure. I mean, I think it's a great deal for both sides. I think the Cowboys really recognize the value that Dak Prescott brings to their team, just having to have, you know, the likes of Gucci Danucci be the backup quarterback here. Um, That's some respect on its name. <laughs> even Andy Dalton, who, like, filled in admirably. But, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I can't speak. I, I, I can't speak. It's not my fault. Um, yeah, but I just think it was a four-year four year deal, which is exactly what Dak wanted. Um, it puts him in prime position to get a new contract when that new TV deal kicks in. He'll get a lot of money again in four years. Um, I think this contract is very front-loaded. I believe he's getting $75 million in the first year which helps the Cowboys' cap table in the end. It basically only screws them up for this year. Um, so, overall, I think both sides win here. The Cowboys get the quarterback, Dak gets his money, and he gets to be a free agent again in four years. Um, it's, it's a good deal for Dak. I want to say it's a good deal for Dallas, but they just, like, they fucked up the whole situation. Like, going back the last two off-seasons, do you know how much cheaper they could have had him if they did what everyone knew they should have done last off-season? Like, they could have signed him for four or five years um, last year. What was it? Like, people were debating if he was worth, like, 35 mil per. Like, that was kind of the debate last summer. And then, like, two summers ago, it was, like, even earlier. It may have been, like, 33 or even lower. It could have been, like, 33. And they just, I think they kind of waited it out too long to the point where now they don't really have a choice but to pay him that 42 uh that 42 per or no it's 40 million per on his contract and i don't know like it's it's a good deal now just considering what the market is because deshaun watson got a similar offer but if if they just did what they were supposed to last summer they could have saved a decent amount of money that's why I say, like, I don't know if I can, like, say it's great for the Cowboys. It's good for Dak, though. He deserves it for everything he's done. But I don't know. I think Jerry Jones kind of messed it up with waiting too long. Yeah, I mean, they could have had him for so much cheaper. So in that regard, but they do still have their franchise quarterback. And once you have your franchise quarterback, like, you should never let that player go. Which is why I believe the Texans shouldn't trade Watson, even if Watson wants to sit the whole year. Um, but moving on, we also have been, uh, there's been a slow trickle of news today about the franchise tags, what teams are franchise, franchise tagging players, which teams aren't, um, the two big players that are of fancy note that received the franchise tag were Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson. Boys, what do you think this does to their stock? I have a feeling what we all think about Allen Robinson. 
Um, I said it in our I said it in our group chat earlier. I think right now is the perfect uh, Mooney buy window. Like I, th- I think everyone was kind of expecting Allen Robinson to leave, and it might be a tag and trade. They might keep him, but I think now I think we're all really high on Darnell Mooney. Um, I think now is the chance to kind of buy him at a discounted price if the owner sees that Allen Robinson news and it's kind of a little not we're not down on him, but not as high on him. Would, would yeah, you buy? In terms of Godwin, in terms of Godwin, I think we all kind of saw this coming. Um, I don't think the the Buccaneers were going to let him walk away when they have a you know a forty three year old Tom Brady coming off a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl win. Excuse me. Um, I just think they're going to try to run it back. So this the tag on Godwin just made too much sense for them. Um, overall, I think it keeps his value pretty much exactly where it is. Uh, he's still only 24, 25 years old. He's a very young wide receiver. So even if he's a free agent next offseason instead, I don't think it matters. Chris Godwin with Tom Brady for another year is not going to be a bad thing. You know, one thing I will say is that, dude, I, I actually kind of like this for Allen Robinson. I know that's going to come off as a weird take. Um, I think a lot of Allen Robinson owners wanted him to leave. But, dude, I think that it's going to be tough for the Bears to have a worse quarterback situation than they did last year. If they somehow screw that up again. Like, oh my god. Like, There's just no fathomable way that a team with that much talent on their roster and a team that their GM and head coach have both known and admitted that their quarterback has just been such an issue that they failed to somehow actually address that instead of being like, oh, yeah, we'll trade some bullcrap for Nick Foles or or this, that, or the other. Like, we finally are hearing they're in the news for Russell Wilson possibly making that move. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team that tries to trade up in the draft and just throw a haul for one of these really talented quarterbacks. It's just... Allen Robinson's proven he can play in Chicago. I mean, he's proven he can play basically with any quarterback anywhere. But, man, I, I actually kind of like it for him. I think that it's it's a nice little safe play for Allen Robinson. And and if you're someone that likes his talent, I think he's a, he's a good buy. Like, you're just not going to get a wide receiver one for his type of price tag very often. I completely agree, Frank. I just think... Allen Robinson consistently is one of the most slept-on, consistent wide receiver ones in all of fantasy football. Uh, he's 27. He's right in his prime. And, uh, you know, this is probably a good buy-low because all the Allen Robinson owners, like you said, are probably upset that the Bears tagged him. And they probably are like, well, he's going to be on the Bears again with a bad quarterback. Might as well trade him and get something for him. But I think he's going to consistently be another wide receiver one again this coming season. Yeah, you you two. draft pick you think it takes to get him right now? Ooh, late first pick one hundred nine. He's got to cost more. I though, think mid first. I think a little bit higher than that. Yeah, yeah I'd say mid first, like one hundred five. That's that's when you start to get pushing it because then so we're talking super flex. So that's around Jamar Chase levels, and it's like, would I rather have Jamar Chase or Allen Robinson? And it's you've got the proven commodity in Allen Robinson, but you've got the young and you know kind of flashy player in Jamar Chase. So that's where I start to question it. So yeah, right around right around 105, 106 is probably why I'd give up. But honestly, if you're an Allen Robinson owner, like, are you giving him up for that? Like, just that singular draft pick? I feel like 
I feel like you're 105, holding. I'm definitely thinking about it, dude. Like, If I'm not a contender, I'm thinking about 105. Yeah, if, if I'm a contender still, like 105, I don't think Jamar Chase will be on the board in most drafts by then. I think that Jamar Chase is going to mm-hmm. kind of firmly cement himself as a top four pick. But still, that, that could be a very solid quarterback. That could be, at least in my opinion, I'm a fan of Devontae Smith, and I think he's just as good, if not better, than Jamar Chase, so that could be him. Uh, We'll get into the running back prospects, but there's a couple running back prospects that will be on the board there. Kyle Pitts, if you fancy a tight end, I think there's plenty of options that if you you wanted to sell him, I think that's more than a fair price. I I guess. If I'm a Robinson owner, though, assuming that I'm a contender... I'm holding on to him. Like, even if I'm a fringe contender, like, it's hard to find someone with such high production who does it kind of year in and year out like Allen Robinson does. Um, all right, we touched on Godwin. Uh, my one last point on these guys is what, what we think about the the secondary receivers going forward. You've got Antonio Brown. Is he resigning with the Bucks? Um, then you've got the likes of uh, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, um, why can't I remember the other guy's name? Justin Watson. Um, do we like any of those guys going forward? Um, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson are kind of like dart throws. I guess Scotty Miller is kind of an end of the bench guy. Justin Watson, I wouldn't care for rostering. Um, AB is going to be interesting. Uh, I think Jake mentioned it when we were talking about it earlier. I do see him returning to tampa bay he's not someone i would bank on on a week-to-week basis unless godwin or mike evans got hurt um doesn't oj howard come back next year too is he still under contract yes sir yeah so he, he's gonna take targets too like people, people forgot about him he's extremely talented and brady um brady loves tight ends so um i i don't i'm not banking on any of those guys ab could be a nice villain play but everyone else eh. I'll tell you what, you want to know who's upset is the Anthony Miller owners. I think that the Anthony Miller owners are just yeah. clenched fists like, fuck you, Bears. <laughs> this is our time to <laughs> finally have Anthony Miller produce, and now you're bringing back the the number one. We got Darnell Moody, who Matt Nagy was just on the uh, on a press conference or an interview the other day gassing up. Like I think that the Anthony Miller lo- uh, Anthony Miller owners are the big losers of the of the franchise tags right now. Too- yeah, it might, it might be time to call them a no for the Miller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> R.I.P. Anthony Miller. To be fair, if you're banking on Anthony Miller doing some stuff for your fantasy team, you probably were in bad shape anyway. So it's like it's kind of a wash when it comes to that. Um, all right, but those were the guys who got tagged. Not too many offensive players got the tag. We did have a few guys that uh, did not get tagged, though. So if we want to stick with wide receivers real quick, the one guy that didn't get tagged at wide receiver is Kenny Galladay. Lunis, you're Kenny Galladay owner. What are we what are we thinking about Kenny Galladay in the future? Um, get him the fuck out of Detroit. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that he's going to be out of there. Obviously, it depends on where he ends up. But the, from what I've seen about his price, and I think Allen Robinson being uh, out of the market now, and Chris Godwin actually helps his chances at getting a bigger deal because he's he's now the wide receiver one in free agency, kind of undisputed. Like before, you can mention Allen uh, Allen Robinson's more talented. You could debate him or Chris Godwin because uh, Chris Chris Godwin's younger. Um, I think now he's kind of the undisputed one 
and I think he's gonna he's gonna get a huge contract. So I have to look at the teams with the most cap space again. But I envision anyone paying that much is just gonna feed him with targets a ton. So I'm I mean, it could I be like the Jets leaving Detroit. The Jets don't. I mean, hey. No, not Dolphins. The Jets, the Jaguars, and the Patriots are one, two, and three in in cap space. Not in that order, though. I'd be happy yeah, with if three he goes to the over G- Detroit. Going to the Jets? If they give me if Goff they draft Detroit over was... the Jets, give me Goff in Detroit over the Jets. I don't know. I think he'd be a good fit with Zach Wilson. Yeah, or, like, if he's Zach they Wilson, draft Zach Wilson. Okay, the Jets feels. were talking. Lock it in now. Could easily be Sam Darnold. I mean, I guess if it's Sam Darnold, then it's debatable between him Dude, and Goff. But Kobe. If it's... They're not sticking with freaking Darnold. But they're, they're not going to stick with Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> the, their be. GM just says, oh, yeah, we're listening to calls for him now. Like, <laughs> That's about as obvious as they're going to make it without straight up saying, yeah, he's out of here. So I, I like that situation with either Fields or Wilson, whoever they draft. Um, or if somehow they get to Sean Watson, but I'm not really expecting that. Uh, I like both those situations over his Detroit point, and I think the rookie quarterback is just going to look to their number one receiver a ton and just force to beat him targets. So I-, I would like any of those three fits over the current situation in Detroit. Um, all right, quick predictions. Everyone just yell out a team real quick. Where is Kenny Galladay signing? We'll start with you, Lunas. You are the owner. I think the Giants throw him the bag. Giants? Jake, you're a Giants fan. What do you think? Uh, I do think the Giants throw him the bag. Oh. Jets. Frank says the Jets. I I don't want to be with consensus, but I do feel like this is a team that the, the Giants, the team, uh, they're a team that definitely would go and try and make that big free agent splash in the market because, you know, with New York and everything, you kind of ha- do have to stay in the headlines. Um, it's not even think... that they they just they truly need someone they like Kenny Galladay. They have you know Shepard and Slayton who are nice receivers, but they're not the you know star number one guy. They're not the guy that commands the double team when healthy. Like they have Saquon and Daniel Jones on rookie contracts. Go out and get a big time wide receiver. Help them out. Like it just makes sense. It it, it their offense has been too bad to have a, a top top ten rookie. Uh, draft pick at quarterback and running back, and this offense still stinks. They they have to go out and make a splash on this offense. Yeah, I I, I agree that like the Giants really should go out and try and get Kenny Galladay. I'm not too sure like what Kenny Galladay wants to do, where he wants to go. Um, my question to you guys though is then say he does sign with the Giants, like or even just a team like the Giants, where you have like an average to below average quarterback, like. Are we fading Kenny Galladay at the price? Or are we trying to go out and buy him? Like, what are we doing with Kenny Galladay? Buy. If he goes to the Giants? Yeah. Or, or a similar team. With- I, I don't think his value is less there than it was in Detroit. Good point. Well, like, is Daniel I, like, Jones again, I think any- equal to Matthew Stafford as far as... No. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm saying Detroit knowing that Stafford's gone. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Like, if Stafford was still there, it'd be different. I'd prefer Detroit. But... And I don't know how the new coaching staff is going to be. I will say, to what you said earlier, I, I love this uh, this quote, Dave Gettleman on if the Giants need to capitalize on the window where Daniel Jones is on his rookie deal. I'm not a window theory guy. 
That's, <laughs> that's literally Dave Gellman in a nutshell. <laughs> He's, we, we actually were talking before the podcast, too, to go on like a quick side tangent. They also have to decide kind of soon about Saquon Barkley if they're uh, going to exercise his fifth-year option, and that's that's something that no one's really talking about right now. Saquon Barkley could be on another team in the coming years. Um, what what I think is interesting, because um, isn't that fifth-year option, Jake, you said around 12 mil? Yeah, it's about 12 mil. Depending on how he, if, he plays this year, it could go down to around the 10 mil range, but it looks like it's going to be closer to 12. What I could see them doing if they want like that fifth year without paying that, I'm pretty sure the franchise tag is 8 or 9 mil for running backs. So they can franchise tag him instead of implementing that fifth year uh, rookie deal option, which would save them around, what, like 3 mil? So I don't know. That's an option yeah, but, I could see. Yeah, but it just that's something that doesn't feel good if you're Saquon Barkley. It's not a, a relationship builder if you really did want to keep him around. It's not something you would do. You would definitely just pick up the fifth-year option and say, eat the three mil and just say, well, he's our star player. So that's what it is. Yeah. No, it's definitely very Well, speaking of running backs, real quick, we got a couple more players for our news and notes. Uh, we had Aaron Jones and Chris Carson, uh, the Packers and the Seahawks, deciding not to apply a franchise tag to either of these players. Um, again, real quick around the room where we think each player goes and when you say the place that they go to say if that's stock up or stock down for a player so we'll start with aaron jones lunas again you're an aaron jones owner in our league where's aaron jones going uh, i guess my early guess because there's been a ton of rumors there from all the miami reporters i'll guess the miami dolphins um and oh, it's tough i'm not gonna say stock up but it's kind of even because it off balances. He's going to get less touchdowns than he would in Green Bay. But I think if Miami's signing him to a decently big contract, he's going to get more touches than he did in Green Bay. So I'll say steady in terms of value. Jake, how about you? Atlanta Falcons, stock slightly down. Frank? Man, I have no idea, to <laughs> be honest. I'll go with the Dolphins. I'm and stock down. Down on the Dolphins. All right. I'm actually going. I'm of the belief that the Packers and him will end up still working out a deal, so I think he'll stay with the Packers. Um, with what money? A team find a way to. What money do do the Rams have? What money do the Saints have? Teams find a way to get the players that they want. Um, that being said, I feel like that just inherently means stock kind of down because. You do have to anticipate A.J. Dillon probably will still be getting more touches, not to mention Jamal Williams is also there. Um, all right, Chris Carson, I guess I'll go first with Chris Carson. Um, I feel like he's a player that will also end up I, – I know one of you, I think it was Jake, said Aaron Jones to the Falcons. I feel like Chris Carson's a guy that I could see on the Falcons. Um and again, running backs on another team, I just feel like is mostly always stocked down for me. So I'm going to say Chris Carson, Falcons, stocked down. Um, Jake, you want to go for this one? I'm going to say he's back in Seattle on like a small money deal here. Stock stays the same. Lunas, how about you? Um, I'm going to say take the Hazem inside much because I think they're going to add a back. I don't know if it's going to be through the draft or free agency, but I'll say Jacksonville. Ooh. Um, I don't think Urban Meyer wants James Robinson just to have like 
<laughs> like, I forgot what was the percentage last season, but it was a ridiculously high amount of the running back touches. Um, I think he's going to bring another guy in. I don't know if it's going to be later round draft pick or someone cheap on free agency, but I could see it being Carson because I don't think he's going to take a lot of money to get. And lastly, Frank? Um, I could see the Falcons. Um, I actually think he's going to get a little bit more cash than people expect. So it's going to be – listen, I haven't really looked into the RB needy teams too much, but I'll go I'll go Falcons or Cardinals. Right. Cardinals is another And box. stock up, by the way. Stay then, in the division. That's a ballsy move. <laughs> hey, the Car- the Cardinals are going to add a back somewhere. That, I think yeah. they will, but I just – I think it'll be through the draft. Now, last thing on these players before we move on to our last two guys in the news and notes. Are, are there any players on, on these teams that, like, now you're buying? Like, do, do you feel like you still have an opportunity to buy A.J. Dillon because Aaron Jones is leaving? Or is this the time to now sell I think, A.J. Dillon? I think the sneaky buy is Jamal Williams. Because um, I think he's going to get a lot of those uh, receiving. Like, whenever Aaron Jones was out this year, even though A.J. Dillon would get more touches, all the receiving work would go to Jamal Williams, who would always have a good fantasy game whenever Jones was out. So I think he's the sneaky buy, even though everyone's talking about A.J. Dillon. I, I think A.J. Dillon might be the, the sell. Sell him the hype of A.J. Dillon. Could be. Because... I mean, I don't know what you guys see in A.J. Dillon. I, I watched, uh, like, you know, he has very limited NFL tape because Aaron Jones did have most of the carries. Um, his main game coming against the Titans, and that game was just like, if you guys watched the Titans' defense, it was like they just didn't know how to play in the snow. It was kind of crazy. And it was just like the Packers had them, like, 10 yards downfield, and A.J. Dillon really didn't need to do much. So... It wasn't just in the snow. They really yeah. didn't know how to play defense <laughs> for about half of the <laughs> To be fair, most of most of the AFC South did not know how to play defense, with the exception of the Colts. Um, so, in terms of Chris Carson, what do you guys think happens if he were to leave Seattle? Do you think the, the Seahawks go out and add a back? Um, in the and do you think it would be in free agency, or do you think it would be in the draft? And if in the draft, do you think they? Go early running back or, you know, round three plus is. I'm just going to say pay attention to whoever they draft, which I, they're, I think they're going to draft a back and it's probably going to be in the like the fifth or sixth round. And whoever it is, pay a lot of attention to them. <laughs> that is kind of how it works. It's just a weird yeah. situation, right? Because you've got Rashad Penny returning from injury, who up until now hasn't been able to get it really going. You get the random Darth throwing DJ Dallas, who I'm fading. If anyone wants to buy DJ Dallas, I don't actually own him, but like I'd be selling him if anyone. I own him. Get the Darth. Throw. I own a DJ <laughs> Dallas. I don't know if, what you got against him. If I were you, I'd sell him. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything with DJ <laughs> Dallas. Um, who's even left on the? He's sitting on my taxi here? squad. <laughs> or who? Who was the last guy? Um, I, I see the Seahawks ending up with I, a running I back forgot. around three, like a Carter or a Gainwell, maybe a Sermon. Was Carlos I mean, Hyde the there case. last season? Yeah. Carlos Hyde. What are you saying, Jake? He's also a free agent. I mean, yeah. if they end up getting, you know, a Gainwell or a Hubbard or a, you know, a, or even like a Ramondre Stevenson, I think it's a guy that, that should be paid attention to. I could see Trey Sermon. I think it depends on the board, though. I think they, they just signed Alex Collins. I think that they're, they've tried to set them up in a position to where they only go running back if they like the guy on the board, and they can kind of chill if they if they don't like the way the board's falling. Because they, 
I mean, if they keep on to Russ, they obviously need to add offensive line. And with the amount of tackles in this draft class, that should be their number one priority. I They don't have a first-round pick, though, Yeah. thanks to Jamal Adams. Yeah, but you got plenty of other picks. I, I feel like whatever happens with the Seahawks, I'm just not buying into it. I'm not willing to... Because you, you likely are going to have to pay up just because Seattle running back. But, like... In my opinion, they're just not going to amount to, to much fancy relevancy. Um, I think it'll be a, a very crowded backfield and won't be worth it. All right, last two guys, news and notes. Some tight ends, um, you know, kind of those mid-tier guys. Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, neither one is getting the franchise tag. Um, where we think they're ending up, are you buying any of the players on their team um, in the tight end possession, position? Um, we'll start with Jonu Smith and the tight ends. Jake, where do you think let John me start. is? Oh, let me start. Go ahead, team. Frank. I got this. Are we I buying know exactly Frank? where both of these Frank, guys Frank's are Frank's calling up. the ice Ooh, where I know going? exactly where. And it's a place I like to refer to as the wasteland. Oh, no. They're going straight <laughs> into the tight end wasteland. <laughs> I am fading both of these jags of tight ends. Jags? They will not be on my fantasy football team. I'm fading them both. They are wastelands. They're in free agency Jag is a for a serious reason because their team didn't want them. Whew. I mean, tight ends are just expensive when you're trying Whew. to pay. Like, if you were to apply a franchise tag to those guys, it'd be kind of expensive for what they are. Um, That's cool. I, yeah, too expensive for a wasteland player. I, I don't, like, do you guys know where they're going to end up, like, I know the Patriots get thrown around. One of them's going to end up in New England. I, I just don't see it. That's what I was going to get to. Like, I don't see either of these guys ending up on New England. And if they do, I'd agree with Frank where I am throwing them in the wasteland if they end up in New England. Like, I don't see them being productive in New England. I, I think the best thing that would happen is they actually just swap teams and you put Johnny Smith on the Chargers and Hunter <laughs> Henry on the Titans. <laughs> I honestly think that they... That that'd be the best for their value <laughs> if you just have send one to season. Seattle. I'm trying to Maybe. think who could sign a tight end. Ryan one... Pace started the season last year with like eight or nine tight ends on the roster, so he might try and go yeah. go sign another one for the Bears. They're looking a little thin there right now. I think one of the best yeah, places um... they could go is Seattle. Uh, they really didn't have a tight end last year. Greg Olson was pretty washed. Um, yeah, I actually think there. right now though. If I, did, I I think Seattle's going to be the team that ends up trading for Zach Ertz. Oh, I think it's Because it's only going to take like a fifth or a sixth. I think that's the Colts. I um, mean, it could be The Colts, could be Dallas, I, the Seahawks and the Colts are the two teams Dallas. that... Dallas wouldn't be a bad... Philly's not trading him to Dallas. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. One of those two tight ends, though, could sign with Dallas. Janu or uh, Henry, I could see. That would be... I kind of would want to sell on the hype, even though I think that's a great situation for them. I think the hype would just skyrocket their value if that were the case. Um, but, yeah. Um, last thing about tight ends. I just have one guy in mind that I am kind of fading. Actually, sorry. Let me backtrack real quick. Anthony Fersker, Donald Parham. Are we investing in these guys? Is there any... No, okay. Parham to the moon. Trash. It's all wasteland. <laughs> I mean, to be first fair, like I 60 per- like, though. I, I He's from an Alvin. There's about like 60% of the league, though, that has trash tight ends. So it's like... Yeah, but I see everyone hyping Parham. 
trash. I'm hyping XFL him up. XFL stud. Yeah, I'm XFL I own stud. Him. I'm hyping him up. <laughs> Wasteland. He Frank's coming for us. He's got a he's a weird tight end. Like his physicals are kind of nutty to be an NFL player. Let me check real quick. He's 6'8", 237. Like that's just a, he should be in the NBA. Antonio Gates. That's Antonio a Gates. size for the wasteland. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of ours if we weren't talking about the draft, which is just a month and change away, like a month and two weeks, I think, maybe. A month, maybe three weeks, probably two weeks. Um, we're talking running back prospects. And... So I think the best way to go about this is to just go consensus and talk about where our consensus rankings were and then where certain people differed and explain why they differed. Um, we actually, for the most part, agreed on the top three. And what's surprising is we all had Javante Williams as our number one run, running back prospect in the draft. Um, I feel like we've talked about this a lot. I've talked about kind of why I'm fading Najee and Travis Etienne and that's why I'm kind of going to chase I think uh sorry uh Javante Williams I think you know Frank has kind of talked about Javante Williams and why I love him so much so maybe we don't really have to spend too much time on him maybe just a minute <laughs> Frank you want to just sell us real quick on why we should buy Javante Williams dude Javante Williams is a beast with a capital B the guy is a tackle-breaking machine. He's a bowling ball of a running back. He's a pro he's a running back prospect that, to me, unless he tests like a slug, he really doesn't have a ton of weaknesses as a prospect. He's he's at least average in every single department. Like, you know, you can say, oh, he's not the best receiver. He ain't bad. You know, he's he's great in between the tackles. He has the highest force miss tackle rate of any running back I've graded in this class so far. So. I think that he's easily the most can't-miss running back prospect. I know, JT, you bit you saying with me that we've kind of been on this Javante Williams height train, saying he's been the RB1 for us for a while. I personally think there's a shot that he can go at the end of the first round in the actual NFL draft. I'm looking at you, Steelers. Let's pick him up. Um, I, I like him a lot. I'm targeting him in, in, in any league that I can. Yeah, to, to that point, real quick. I, I we were talking about this earlier off the pod. My whole thing about this though, and I've been I've been saying it for so long since like week four of the regular season this year. Like I was saying, like this running back class, the twenty twenty running back class, was so good, and I, there were so many good prospects. And I think this is going to be the one that's going to replace all the running backs in the future. Um, and with that said, the top running back would taken was Ceh, who I didn't even think was like a top three prospect, and he was taken at thirty two in the NFL draft to the Chiefs. I just can't justify a team taking him, even even if they're so needy, in, in the first round. But if a team like the Steelers does pick him up in the first round, I do feel like Javante Williams is then the definite running back one. I feel like it should be unquestioned at that point. Um, but yeah, we, we're definitely higher on Javante Williams than consensus. If you're looking anywhere else, you'll definitely see Najee Harris at number two. Except in ours... <laughs> We don't even have Najee Harris at two. We have Travis Etienne at two. And to be clear, it's Jake Lunas and I that have uh, Travis Etienne at two. Um, I don't know. Jake, do you want to talk about Travis Etienne and kind of why you picked him over Najee Harris? 
Yeah, I mean, I just think he he's the type of prospect that I like more. He's a better pass catcher. Um, he's a more versatile running back. He can run outside. He can run inside. He's a guy that, if you watch Clemson, he really did everything for them. Um, obviously, they have Trevor Lawrence. Everyone knows that. But the two of them together, and I think there's a good chance that, you know, they could end up back together again. Because um, just based on where these guys are projected to go um, in the actual NFL draft, you know, Najee, or Trevor Lawrence won overall, and, you know, Travis Etienne just about the top of the second round. So there's a good chance they could end up back together. And I just think they're together. They were just unbelievable at Clemson. He does everything out of the backfield. Um, and I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. I think he's, he's a guy that's going to catch a lot of balls in the NFL. And if you're playing PPR, which I hope you are, um, he's going to get a lot of extra points here. Yeah, that's to make it quick, because I pretty much agree with every point Jake made. I think the receiving uh, kind of ceiling that Etienne has in the NFL... Uh, over Najee's is what gave me the edge because they're insanely close. It was really more of like a 2A, 2B for me between those guys, and I'm sure uh, you two probably feel similar. But I, I think the receiving edge of what I think Etienne can be gave him like the small bump over Najee. But I understand if someone had Najee at two. Yeah, and, and so someone that did have Najee at two was Frank. And Frank, do you want to just explain why you took him over Etienne? Uh, it's funny because the reason I had Najee at two is because of his, his receiving ability. I think that Najee Harris, I look at him, and obviously, you know, there are going to be people in the comments, I see him right now, saying, what do you mean, Najee Harris's receiving ability? Did you look at the stats? You're an idiot. Like, yeah, I looked at the stats. I looked at the tape as well. And the thing that I see with Najee Harris that really makes me fall in love with him is I look at what Kevin Stefanski is doing with the Browns right now where – the second half of the season, they would consistently line up three tight end sets, go look complete uh, a complete power look with all pro running back Nick Chubb and like a six four receiver with Donovan Peoples Jones, and then all of a sudden, if Baker doesn't like the look or the defense is stacked in the box, gives a little clap, then they go five wide, and there was a lot of times where a guy like Nick Chubb, who was not a great receiver by any stretch of the imagination at Georgia was actually decent in the passing game. I mean, it's not like he can't catch the ball. And then, obviously, they had Kareem Hunt that they'd be able to do that with as well. I think that if, if there's an offensive coordinator that wants to do a similar thing where they can use personnel groupings to their advantage, whether they want to go big or go small, create little one-on-ones with linebackers, Najee Harris is that back. So just because if a team wants to zone him and you have Najee Harris up against a corner, dude, I will go ahead and throw up a 50-50 ball to Najee Harris. The, the guy can come down with it. So I think that's a little bit of the X factor for me. It still is really close between Etienne. I, I had Etienne earlier in the process above Najee. Um, I think that for me, for fantasy purposes, this is going to be more of like a landing spot decision. I, I, I want to see where they go and, and how I think that that coordinator will use them, how they've used running backs in the past to really grade them. It is close. I just think right now I... I envision a path for Najee Harris a little bit more than I do for Travis Etienne. It's a little more realistic. Okay, fair enough. And that's kind of where we have a tier break in our consensus with rankings, right? We have those mm-hmm. three as the very clear top three according to like where we were ranking them and everything. After that's where we get, you know, there, there becomes a, a pack kind of behind it of like five or so players that can kind of be switched around in our rankings. 
But right now, our top guy is Michael Carter. And actually, I'm the only one that's low on Michael Carter. So if one of you three... Really low. Yeah, if, if one of you three wants to kind of defend him real quick and then I could talk um, on the other side, I think that would be a good way to handle this. I mean, I, listen, I love Michael Carter. I, I, I was going to say, Frank's these, probably watched him the most. I, I love both of these UNC backs. I think that they're both just really tremendous football players. They have the work ethic, it seems like. They have that... Like, the one thing I love about both of these guys, not even necessarily ball carrier related, is that if you watch these UNC games, you watch the tape back of these UNC games, when they lead block for each other, you just see a different level of effort, a different level of intensity than you do with any other running back in the class lead blocking for any one of their other teammates. Um, Michael Carter, to me, um, just I think that he's a little bit better of a pure runner than people have him put as me i think it's because he's a little bit small um but according to my tracking he was third in the class in force missed tackles per touch it really didn't go down all that much by 0.01 force missed tackles um per touch it went down from per touch to per run i don't know if that made any sense or not but um at 0.41 force missed tackles per run that is .03 behind the second-place person in, in Travis Etienne at .44. And at the end of the day, in terms of price that you're going to get Michael Carter at in your dynasty leagues, like there's no shot he's going in first rounds. He's probably going to be sitting there on the board right now if you were to draft at 205-206. That kind of talent that you get, that kind of football player that you get at that point in the draft, I absolutely love. And I think that... For me, I think that he is closer to those top-end kind of guys than he is towards my bottom-end kind of guys. Would you say this one's closer? Because I agree with every single thing you said. I love Michael Carter, and that was a good point you made about the 206 range, where if he's there, unless you need to really, unless you badly need a receiver, I would love Carter at that spot. Um, do you think he's closer to you? Um, then your number, what is it? Then your number five back or your number three back? Like, is he closer to the three or five? Well, he's probably closer to five because I have them in the same tier. But I think that both of these guys, my my five and four back, are being pretty underrated. I have Michael Carter comped to Clyde Edwards Elaire. I know that I might receive a little That's bit of flack for that, but I think that the reason, like. They both are good receivers. I think that Clyde Edwards-Elair was a little bit better of a pure runner than Michael Carter is, which maybe. But I think they do both struggle in running in between the guards if, if you're going to run like a duo run, run concept or maybe even some inside zones that he could struggle a little bit there. But for the price, I think that Michael Carter is the best or one of the best running back buys this year. Like price and talent included in, in the whole package, Frank. Yeah. So, so I recently joined one of Ryan McDowell's, you know, Superflex mock drafts. Guess where uh, the draft spot that Michael Carter got drafted, and what running back off the board he was? Two oh six RB four. Three oh nine. Running back nine. Jesus. Yeah, mm, that's such a good pick. 
Um, you, you, the you running, were drafted with the, a whole bunch of JTs. The running backs that went ahead of him. Was, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people are looking at him as the other UNC back compared to Javante Williams, and I think that's going to hurt his stock. But I mean, he's like Frank said, a very talented football player, and make no mistake, he's a good running back on his own. No matter if Javante Williams was the running back one there or not. But the running backs that went ahead of him were Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams was running back three. Running back four was Kenneth Gainwell. Running back five was Trey Sermon. Running back six was Jamar Jefferson. Seven, Chubba Hubbard. Eight, Ramondre Stevenson. And nine, Michael Carter. And obviously, we're He's going getting... through our rankings right We're going through our rankings right now, so you're going to see where those guys land um, behind him. Because I think Michael Carter at running back four is pretty spot on right now. Yeah, I agree. He's getting the, uh, you mentioned with the Javante Williams, him kind of being in Javante's shadow. He's getting kind of the Damian Harris treatment with uh, Josh Jacobs a couple years ago. You see, Damian Harris is a pretty good running back. Like, I think when he was able to run this year, he looked pretty good. I think Michael Carter's kind of getting that similar treatment where he's just kind of viewed as the other back on that team. But I'm with you and Frank. I like him a lot. Yeah, so... JT Satan. So where I differ on this... And I don't know, uh, Frank Frank called me a Tinder girl before uh, a couple podcasts ago, but he is, <laughs> uh, he, he stands by it. I, I It might not be wrong. You are. You are yeah. a Tinder chick. <laughs> yeah. well, well, all right. Hear, hear me out on this first. You might be you might be right. You might be right. Um, But when I'm looking at Michael Carter, right, I see like a small run back and that's fine and all right. But I see another small run back that I'll get to later. That I think is better than Michael Carter at what he does. And my big issue with Michael Carter, which I feel like isn't really talked about enough, is like he struggles in, in pass protection. And the number one thing is if you can't protect the quarterback, like you're not staying on the field. And if Michael Carter can't protect the quarterback in the NFL, that's just going to be it's curtains for him. He'll just have a, a, a slight role here or there. Um, when I look at him, like, I, I can't imagine him ever being more productive than think about guys in the past like Devin Singletary or, or Daryl Henderson. Like I, I think that's kind of his peak, and if he reaches that, that's good. Uh, I mean, getting him off, if you could get him in 309, that's a solid spot to get him at. Um, it's just, I guess I'm not really seeing what you guys are seeing in Michael Carr. I, I like him. I just don't like him enough to put him at number four running back. Um, but to be fair, there aren't many, uh, you know, like there, there, there's a lot of discrepancy after the top three running backs. Cause I feel like the top yeah. three running backs are set in stone. Um, yeah. All right. I guess we can move on then. So number four, or I'm sorry, number five, who we have is out of Memphis, Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I'm checking real quick to see who is the highest on him. It's actually Frank. And then Lunas and Jake are one behind Frank. Frank has him as the number five running back. Lunas and uh, Jake have him as number six. So if any of you three want to take it up, I'm not too far behind you guys either with Kenneth Gainwell. So we're all kind of consensus that he's in the five to seven range. Um, anyone feel strongly about Kenneth Gainwell and wants to talk about him? This, this is more a question I want to put out to you guys. What role do you guys see him playing in the NFL? Because that's why I couldn't put him higher on my list, even though I wanted to. 
I, I mean, you talk about that thunder and lightning back. He's the lightning back, I think. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you do you see him being kind of like? I'm trying to think of it. like that Tariq Cohen role. He's definitely I, better than Tariq better Cohen. Better than Tariq Cohen yeah. is. He's definitely better. I think I'm more of a Devin Singletary role for him. I have of... him comped right now to Tiki Barber. I think because when I watch Kenneth Gainwell, it's a and strong Kenneth comparison. Gainwell, <laughs> I was gonna say Tiki Barber was good. Well, yeah. I, I, so here's the thing, right? Kenneth, I think what knocks Kenneth Gainwell down a little bit for me is the fact that he did opt out. Um, he's really close with Carver. Me, they're pretty similar running backs. I, I like them both a lot, and I, I like the, both of their prices. The thing with Kenneth Gainwell, though, is that he's not as good of a runner in between the tackles. But my God, when you just give him the football, he is absolutely electric. He, it takes so many guys to bring him down. God forbid he gets in space. He is just an absolute nuisance. Um, and not only that, he's just really good at handling the football. He played quarterback in high school. So if you want to do any like direct snap stuff, any wild caddy kind of stuff, he, he's really good at just handling the football. So I think that's an, a nice little underrated part about him. And if you want to talk about a guy that just plays bigger than he is, this is a guy that just consistently will make bigger defenders drag him down. He has really good pad level when he's going uh, for contact in between the tackles or just against any defender in general. Um, I really like Kenneth Gainwell. I think that he's more than just uh, a receiving back. Um, now, like you guys said... Is he ever going to be that RB1? I, I don't know. I think that this the stats and the measurables will say more no than yes. But I, I like both of these smaller running backs. I, I mean, they're definitely not at the level of guys like, you know, the J.K. Dobbins of last year. But in terms of guys that, I, that you can pick up, probably towards the end middle end of the second round i think that they're good dart throws if you need a running back yeah i'm kind of on the side of lunas where it is a question of what he's going to be in the nfl and that's kind of why i'm lower on him than everyone else but again i am at seven which is the lowest and the highest is frank at five so it's like it's, it's not a big difference um i don't really have too much to add on kenneth gainwell uh, if we're ready to move on to our next guy. And that is actually... Oh, wait, real quick, real yep. quick, real quick, real quick. Yep. With Kenneth Gainwell, he's the best receiver in, in of all the running backs in the class. Easily the best receiver. He's a guy that you can line up out wide and would be absolutely annoying to cover. <clears throat> like, if there's a linebacker on him, it's game over. So I think that in terms of having a competitive advantage, being able to line him up outside, use him as a wildcat, I think that, yeah, it's kind of Swiss Army knife, and that just hasn't really worked in the NFL, but I think that he's, like, way better than than just a receiving back. Like, you'd say, oh, Michael Carter's a receiving back. Like, no, no, no. He is a receiver, not a receiving back. Yeah, I think I think that's... That's going to be the best way for him to be effective because in terms of just kind of like those like just multifaceted guys, I think people get scared of like oh, what if he's like a Lynn Bowden on steroids? Like where like he doesn't really have like even though he's talented in so many different places, he never like I guess it's the saying like what what was what's the is it like jack of all king of none? 
Yeah, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Like, I think that's my only fear with Gainwell, mostly. But if he does get the right offensive coach that uses him in the receiving game a lot, I can see him uh, being really effective. Yeah. All right, so that that's Kenneth Gainwell for everyone. Uh, moving on, the next guy, and it's mostly, I think, because of how high I am on him, is at six, we have Trey Sermon. So to a quick recap real quick so everyone is following along. Javante Williams for us is one. ETN two, Najee Harris three, Michael Carter four, Kenneth Gainwell five, and now we're on Trey Sermon at six. And that's mostly due to me. I have Trey Sermon at four. Um, Frank's got him at six. Jake's got him all the way down at ten. He talked about him last week, why he's so low on him. Um, and Lunas actually has him at five as well. And we've talked about him a decent amount, actually, probably the most of all of these like next tier guys. And I think Frank subbed it up best. I think it was Frank, at least, where we're like, he's kind of an enigma. Like, you don't really know what we're going to get with Trey Sermon in the NFL. But from what I've seen, if you could catch his good attributes and you could build on those, I think he's got a chance to be a very, very good running back in the NFL. Um, he's shown flashes of receiving ability, but he hasn't put it all together yet. He's definitely had some very nice catches, showed some good hands. Um his processing, his vision, I like that a lot. He's kind of like a medium to bigger size running back at like six foot, two hundred fifteen pounds, roughly ish. Um, there's just a lot there about Trey Sermon, but again, he's an enigma, right? Because he played for um, Oklahoma for a little while, then transferred to Ohio State. Um, he's had very, very good games, like his his playoff games against Northwestern and against Clemson where he, like, torched them, kind of, which I think was unexpected for most. Um, But then he's also had some really down games as well. And it's just like, if if you could get those Northwestern and Clemson games consistently, um, it's someone that you would really appreciate getting, and, and you could probably get him for pretty cheap. Jake, do you know where he went in that Michael McDowell draft? Um if you have it with you. I could vamp for a little bit while you look it up. Um, yeah, another... I got it. Trey yep. Sermon you're talking about? Yep. He went... Yeah. He was running back five off the board, and he went at 209. Damn, that's still such a good price for Yeah, 209's... It, the, the fifth running back going off the board at 209 is kind of crazy to me, um, considering I know last year's prospects were way better, but the fifth running back went off the board at probably like... 108, 109. That's even behind, like, AJ I think it was 111 last year, though. the fifth like, I, in our draft. AJ Dillon consensus higher than 209, or maybe just at 209? Yeah, but a- a- and AJ Dillon was. He was like, a mid second. Yeah, AJ Dillon was like, what, running back seven, eight? Because you still had, like, Keyshawn Vaughn, and maybe some had Josh Kelly higher than AJ Dillon. Um, so he was, he was. Antonio Gibson. Yeah, Antonio Gibson. So he was definitely lower. Um, at that price, I really like Trey Sermon because at that like mm-hmm. two nine, you're kind of just throwing whatever at the wall, hoping it sticks. Um, yeah, I, I the the only caveat and and why again it's hard to love Trey Sermon so much is he was a grad student. He was a transfer grad student, so he's around the same age, a little bit younger than Najee Harris actually, believe it or not. Um, but when you do have someone so old, like, like it is, 
it's not exactly men against boys, but you can't argue that like he definitely does have an advantage playing against younger guys. Um, that's all I got to say about him. Anyone else have anything to add? Why you're against him? I guess Jake kind of covered why he's against him last week. Um, if you want to, I, I think the draft capital will be very telling for Trey Sermon as a prospect. Like if you if you get a team mm-hmm. that believes in him, drafts him maybe early in the third round, then not only are you going to see his dynasty <clears throat> price rise, but I mean my price tag on him from RB six might rise <laughs> up a tier into around or even above the Carters and the Gainwells. It's just right now, the fact that he was so inconsistent on tape, um, you know, I don't, I'm not against him. I think that for me, I'm not targeting him. He's just a value play. If I if I have 208 and I need a running back and, he, and he's on the board, I'll gladly take him. But if, he's, if he gets drafted earlier than people expect and starts going 202, 201, I'm not going to go out there if I need a running back and say, oh, yeah, I'll be happy tra- taking Trey Sermon here. I just want him to go to a team, if I believe in Trey Sermon and want him, go to a team, go to a coaching staff that is willing to develop him a little bit, that is going to give him that shot. Because you saw what happened when he got in the favor of the Ohio State coaching staff. Like, I, I think it really impacted like his mental health as well because I don't know what was going on early in the season. He was just a completely different, not even football player, just like a different person. You know, like the whole like you could see on the field like his body language so i just hope that he goes into a system that like you know they trust him they believe in him and they make sure like his whole mental state or whatever is all good yeah those are great points frank um but then we we do have one last guy in in this tier uh kind of represents like a tier break right here and that's someone who was way higher when we're talking last year, and that's Chuba Hubbard. Um, looking at our consensus rankings, it looks like Jake is the highest at him with running back five. I have him running back six. Frank's got him at running back eight, and Lewis as well at running back eight. Um, so Jake, I guess, if you want to say why you're a little higher on him than, than us, feel free. For me, it's just the talent. I mean, we've seen this guy, you know, put up huge numbers at Oklahoma State. Um <laughs> Two last not last season, but the season before. Um, I just think this this COVID year really did not do him any good. He was injured. It was a weird season. But if he goes to a team that is a you know a heavily zone blocking scheme in the NFL, I just think uh, it, he's going to fit right in and and you know kind of revert back to what we saw two years ago um, at Oklahoma State. And he has a chance to be a good running back in the NFL. I just. I just like the talent here. I just think he can do a little of everything. Good pass blocker. Uh, he'll be on the field. Good, you know, between the tackles. He's just a guy that I overall think is a very good football player. Um, and people are reading too much into one bad season uh, here at Oklahoma State. All right. Um, anyone anti Chuba Hubbard here? Want to speak poorly? Um. I liked him a lot more last year. This year, did, how many games did he miss this year? Didn't he miss a couple games? He missed he missed uh, the games at the end of the season. It was like three or four. Three or four games at the end of the year? Yeah, so he finished with 133 carries for 625 yards, 4.7 yards a carry, and five touchdowns. The two backs behind him at 547 rushing yards on the year and 437 <clears throat> both had at least... 
0.5 or at least 0.6 higher yards per carry. Um, their running game really didn't drop off when he got injured. Um, I still like him. I was just this year and eh, like between the injury and then between like how well those two backs behind him did when he was out. Chubb Hubbard think... is drafted to Seattle. Where is he now on your running back rankings? Higher. <laughs> Definitely higher. I mean, I said earlier, it, I, I'm fading Seattle. So, <laughs> like, I'm just not going to buy him I mean, he's high. prices. I already don't have uh, Hubbard at the highest right now. He's my eighth. So, I mean, he, he would go up from eight. Say that. Um, I, I just think if he goes to Seattle, he'd fit right in in that, in that Chris Carson role. If, he would, he would were, fit if, in that office. If they were to let Carson walk, I think it would be an unbelievable fit right there. I think for be, me, the but... major problem with, with Chuba is that he's kind of like a one-trick pony right now. He doesn't really offer you a ton outside of outside zone for me. Um, and he really only tries to beat you with speed and a jump cut. The, the, at the same time, I think that he has a ton of potential. He just needs to improve at the next level. So, um, you know, he's like a, he's, he's more of a developmental guy for me. And, and the other thing, too, that I will say is that I saw a report that he was supposedly injured for a large portion of last year, like kind of like an undisclosed injury sort of thing. I don't know if I necessarily yeah. buy that or not. I'd be saying Maybe that if I had a down year, too. some of the bad seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be it. Um, but in terms of a guy, like, I think that he's a good play. If you're a team... If, if your dynasty team is lacking talent and you're sitting there maybe the beginning of the third round and he's on the board, you know, and, and maybe come draft time, he's getting drafted around Khalil Herberts and, and Ramondre Stevenson's. Like, I, I like these guys, but if I need just a pure upside play, I think that Chuba Hubbard is the running back for you because he's the kind of guy that he, he seems like he has a terribly low floor but at the same time, we all see the ceiling. He has the speed. He has good vision, at least for me. I think his vision is pretty good. He has that jump cut. He just kind of needs to build upon that at the next level. Uh, where are you guys taking him in rookie drafts around? Same prices as Sermon for me, like right now, that late second. I think that him, him Sermon, Ramondre Stevenson, all around that late second. For reference, he went at 303, running back seven off the board in that mock draft. That's honestly probably right around where I take him. I, I feel like I could find other players in the second round that I'd rather have than Juba. But beginning of the third round, I'd feel pretty comfortable just taking a dart throw on him. I probably got him close to there, probably like 305, 306. Let me see where I have him great. Like I have him right now um, on my dock. Where's Juba? And mid, yeah, like mid-third, mid-early third, somewhere in there. Oh, wait, yeah, late second, early third. Okay. Yeah, and, and so according to this consensus kind of mock draft, there was a summary of a bunch of mock drafts. Uh, he's going at 212. So I guess a late second round is probably where you would have to pick him up if you were going to pick him up, which, again, it's not like at around that point, it's kind of just uh, whoever you really like, you might as well just go ahead and take him. Um, moving on, someone that we talked about last week as well. Um, Frank was pretty low on him. In fact, Frank, he's not even on your board, right? Your top ten. 
Um, yeah, he's not. Um, he'd be right around. He's in the same tier for me as Kylan Hill, so I, you could put him at ten if you really wanted to. But he, I'm not really looking to draft him at his price right now. Yeah, well, I'll touch on that in a second. Who we're talking about, and kind of it represents our next tier, the third tier, I guess, is Jamar Jefferson from Oregon State, and I guess I'm the highest on him at five. I do have a caveat with that, but I'll, I'll talk about him for a little bit. Um, so, like Frank was talking about earlier, it's kind of hard to find tape on Jamar Jefferson if you're not paying for anything. I, I guess, like, Dynasty Nerds Film Room might have it. Um, now, I, I have seen good games by Jamar Jefferson, but to, to kind of just be completely open, I have not seen that much film about Jamar Jefferson, but what I have seen, I've liked. Um, he had a really good game. Uh, against Oregon, go watch that game if you want to be a believer and go buy him. Um, my thing, though, is we talk about breakout age a lot for wide receivers. We don't really talk about for running backs. Um, it's kind of like a... It's very technical, so to get into that, I'll, I, I'll just kind of avoid Tinder it, girl but... JT, back at it yeah, again. Yeah, Tinder girl JT going back... But... Yeah, JT's so, like, ooh, he checks all the boxes. I'm gonna swipe right. Look, look, when we're talking about when we're getting later in the draft, right? It's it's more of like a okay, yeah, this guy does check these boxes. Like he does fit this kind of profile, right? Because like at least then at that point you're not doing dart throws. You're not being like, oh, I saw this guy had a good game against this team. Like let me go pick him up. Or oh, I think this guy is good fit in this situation. That's how you end up drafting like Keyshawn Vaughn's, right? So my whole thing is. He had like a breakout age of either eighteen or nineteen years old, which is very young for a running it was, back. It was eighteen as a true freshman. Fifteen hundred yards as an eighteen year old. Yeah, thank you. Um, where do you get that, by the way? I wish I could find that real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when when we do these, I pull up the stats just to have oh, them on deck. Yeah, cool. So uh, obviously a great freshman year. Uh, he is on Oregon uh, State, which is not it, it, it's a Pac twelve school, but it's you know not a non Oregon or a Stanford. Um, but I just think when you have such a young guy, and, and he's had, like, really good games this year. He's had really good games this year. Um, he's someone I'm willing to take that dart throw at five. Um, Frank's kind of talked about him in the past and why he's not willing to draft him, and that's kind of where my caveat is. We've seen in certain leagues him go as high as even, like, in the first round. And at that price, like, I'm not buying him in the first round. There are so many more receivers I would rather have than Jamar Jefferson. Um, in this, though, in this consensus mock draft, which does make more sense, a lot more sense, he's going at 301, literally one spot behind Chuba Hubbard. Um, and at that price, I, I'd buy him any day of the week. I, I do think he's got the chance to be a much better running back than some of the guys listed above him. Um yeah, that's really it. I'm not willing to spend more than pick two, 208 on him, probably, like a, a mid to late second round pick. But if he's available on the board around there, I would probably draft him right there. So um, anything else you guys want to add on Jamar Jefferson, or do we want to move on to our last two? Um, just the last thing. I honestly might replace Gamo with him. I was really for RB6 and move him up one, because I was really close. Because as you mentioned, his breakout age was super young at 18. 1500, uh, 1,500 scrimmage yards. I think another underrated thing with him is he can pass protect, which like a lot of rookie running backs struggle with coming into the league. And he's someone... 
I know Frank's kind of iffy on it. Compared to some of the other rookies, and he's still, I believe he's only 20 years old right now compared to some of the other backs who are 22 entering the draft. He's, he's not a bad pass protector, which can help him get on the field sooner. So the, those are some of the things that I liked about him. And just he's super explosive. You can watch the fading rookies for my take. For me, he just doesn't break a ton of tackles. Now, granted, I wish I had more tape on him, like JT said, but he doesn't break a ton of tackles. Um, he's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but his all of his trades I have slightly below average. I just think he's a day-three guy. All right, uh, that's Jamar Jefferson. And if Lewis moves him up to six, that kind of does bump him up into that, that kind of pack. Um, just a little bit. So where we get that real big tier break is now at nine, where now we're talking about players who aren't even in our top ten for some of us, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. It looks like Frank's the highest on him at seven. I don't even have him in my top ten. Uh, neither does Jake, but Lunas has him as his ninth running back. So, Frank, you're the highest. Sell us on Ramondre Stevenson. All right, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back from Oklahoma. I was very pleasantly surprised when I laid my eyes on his film. And instantly, the first person he reminded me of was my boy from Boise State. Um, what's his name? That kid, Jay Jai. There he is. Jay Jai. And oh my the major God. reason, I was, he was super good. high on Jay Jai back in the day. I know you were. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> and I he was, was he was good. He, he just had knee like problems. Round. I thought he was going mid-second. I'm like, what the hell happened last night? He got picked in the fifth round. And the main reason why I instantly thought of J.J. is that this is a big guy that just kind of glides. You know, you don't really get this kind of footwork and quickness from a big guy. He doesn't have speed, but he's got really good quickness. He's got good power. Um, and... and yeah, he's not a a great talent. I doubt he gets picked before the fourth round. Um, but just as like a power back, as a guy that could really make a difference. Like we we've seen power backs kind of come in and build a role on teams. Like I really like Ramondre Stevenson, and for the price, like I imagine he's probably going like late third, maybe even fourth round in drafts right now. I really like that price tag for him because now you are getting him for true dart throw price. For true, like, let me just check the bottom of my pocket for some pocket lint and give it to an owner for a fourth round pick kind of a price. You know, I, I think he needs some development, especially in the passing game. The only really real reason you're going to have him in on third downs in a passing situation is to block. Um, so he, he definitely needs some development there, but... In terms of a guy that I think has some decent potential and combined with can play right now, just a big dude, I like Ramondre Stevenson, and I'm going to be looking to pick him up at the back end of my drafts if he's sitting there. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what you said. That's the negative against him. He really has no thieving threat ability. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, he's a big back. I saw a comp that I kind of liked for him. Um, Obviously not as good, but kind of just his running style and how big he is. Rookie year Eddie Lacy, but yeah. just like like a like a poor man's rookie year Eddie Lacy. Um, he's more elusive than you'd think. Again, I'm not I'm not behind him. I'm just he'd probably he's in the bottom of my top ten. I think I have him at eight. So 
I think he's someone I would take the chance on him over some other guys. No, I have him at nine. Yeah. Uh, but I I think he could like be effective in a certain role. He's never going to be a lead back. But he could be part of a community that's just kind of a first and second down guy. In his best case scenario. Yeah. Um, at this point, though, we are kind of just taking dart throws. Um, in this consensus ranking, he, or consensus mock draft, he went 306. Um, so again. Oh, wow, that's a lot earlier than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I think he could become like a Jordan Howard, even. Like, and Jordan Howard for, for, um, for the Bears wasn't, I mean, I guess he was a lead guy, but like, he wasn't the only guy, you know, they would have him and Tariq Cohen, but I think that in that kind of role, he could put up some yards, maybe kind of like the current, um, what's that Ravens running back, the chonker, Gus Edwards, like maybe like a, a Gus Edwards. The chonker. <laughs> I've never heard that description of a running back before, but Dude, I love it. he's a chonk. It. He's a freaking I chonk. love it. I... <laughs> Alright. <laughs> we gotta move on. Um... All right, the last guy we have in our top 10, and then we do have a couple honorable mentions, is Khalil Herbert. Um, Frank and I are actually the highest on him, and we both have him at 9, so I guess we can't be too high on him. Um, Frank, you've done a lot of research on him. You want to just sell us on him real quick, as much as you can sell us on the So if you watch, if you watch Khalil Herbert, the first thing that will come to mind is, holy crap, this guy's a really patient runner. Like, he, he almost looks like Steelers' Le'Veon Bell, where... He really takes his time to let his blocks develop, you know, survey the defense, reading leverage. I think the big knock against Khalil Herbert, now I don't know his test times, and it's not like I, you know, was stop watching by my computer seeing how fast he runs, but I, I think that the number one knock on him is going to be his physical ability. But in terms of a guy that has the mental side of the game down, this is a really interesting prospect. Um... Now, I kind of have him low. I have him right now as my RB9, kind of in a tier of his own behind Trey Sermon, Stevenson, Hubbard, but above Kylan Hill and Jamar Jefferson and then, you know, the trash. Um, I, I like Khalil Herbert. I think that in terms of a dude that has lead back potential at the end of the draft, Khalil Herbert is probably your guy. I'm actually curious as to what his current ADP is. I also think that PFF is pretty high on him, but I think that the one big red flag I have right now is, does he have that athleticism to be an NFL running back? Because at the end of the day, running back is a position that if, if you don't have it athletically, you're just not going to be able to be on the field. Like The NFL is so fast that if you just don't have that speed and power, you're just not going to be able to play. Yeah, um... At this point, though, we are talking the 10th running back. Um, he's not in this consensus ADP. It only goes to three rounds. So that would mean he's probably outside of the first three rounds. Um, yeah, I, there, there's not much, you know, we're talking about the later round guys. If anyone wants to jump on a stump real quick for uh, people they want to defend, like, Jake, you're pretty high on Jarrett Patterson. Uh, yeah. what's, what's making you put him so high? Um, I mean, Tuesday night action with Jared Patterson, nothing better than that. <laughs> uh, watching him run for like six touchdowns a night is pretty fun. Um, but honestly, though, I think he's a really good running back. He really can run between the tackles. He'll fit 
pretty much any running scheme you want to do. He's very capable of doing anything in the NFL. He's just a guy that I think is a very solid back. Nothing too flashy, nothing, you know, but he doesn't do anything bad. And I think that's going to get him on the field a lot. And I think he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run the ball between the tackles, like I said. Um, he needs to work about a little bit around the edge, but... You know, I just think he's a guy that's very solid, and he'll end up being part of a backfield uh, one way or another. So I think compared to a lot of the guys that you're going to find, you know, around running back 7, 8, 9, 10, like, he's a guy that I think has a better chance to stick around. All right, yeah, I mean, it's a good job to defend him out of Buffalo. Um, I do have one guy that I kind of am, I guess, on the stump for. Um, I have him as my running back eight, so I mean, I guess I can't be that high on him, but I'm talking Javian Hawkins, and while I was talking about Michael Carter earlier, this is the person that I do think is pretty similar to Michael Carter. I just think he does a lot of stuff better than Michael Carter. Um, he's, he's very speedy. He's very fast. Um, my, what I was saying about him, though, is, like, he plays bigger than his size, because both him and Michael Carter are only, like, 5'9", like, 190 something pounds they are kind of smaller but when i was watching jv and hawkins he is kind of more aggressive with how he runs um you know knock against him though and what frank was saying earlier is he's pretty low for his forced miss tackle rate which is a concern of mine but then when i'm talking like run back eight like it's it's hard like you're getting nitpicky at this point and you're trying to just order guys around and, and get the right order that you think and guys you like um, so he's someone that I'd be willing to take a flyer on in the later rounds. I don't think he's in this consensus either. So that probably means he's another fourth round pick. Um, so essentially it's looking like you've got roughly in, in a super flex league, right? You've got three running backs going in the first round, uh, in Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams in that order. Then you have about one, two, three, four running backs in the second round in Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter, Trey Sermon, and Chuba Hubbard. And then in the third round, you have Jamar Jefferson, Kylan Hill, who we haven't really mentioned. Uh, Frank touched him on a little bit. Ramondre Stevenson and Jarrett Patterson. So it seems like there's only 12 running backs going in the first three rounds. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, kind of low, I guess. Not great. I don't know. Anything you guys want to add? You know, I mean, I just... Draft, you go, Jake. I'm just going to say that I think that just shows the difference in this year's draft class compared to last year's. I know you touched on it a little earlier, JT. That last year, you know, we had, I think, five or six running backs in the first round of, of the fantasy draft, of our rookie draft. So, like, just to have, you know, maybe ten go in the first three rounds this year, it just shows the difference in the strength of these classes. Yeah, really quickly. Yeah, last year's ridiculous. One thing I do want to say is that we don't have, at least I don't have every single one of the running backs graded. I think I'm only 15 deep right now, and I plan on getting to around, like, 25, 30. Um, so if anything changes, I'll be sure to let you know on the pod. And the other thing, too, is that, man, this, this draft is going to be a battle of when do you really want to take the running back? Because come second round, like, we're saying... At least I'm saying, oh, I'd love to take Michael Carter in the middle of the second round, but what if maybe an Elijah Moore is on the board, even though I think he's going to rise come draft time? Like, the receiver prospects in this draft are just way ahead of the running back prospects, so it's going to be a little bit a little bit of a battle 
Um, whether or not you want to reach for a running back, whether or not it's worth it to reach for a running back, I personally think not really. I think for a lot of these running backs, I'm unless it's a UNC running back, I think I'm just going to kind of play it by value. You know, I'm not going to come out here and reach way above their ADP, but if one kind of falls to me that I that I like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a flyer on. But I think more so the receivers is and the quarterbacks in this class are the positions to reach on more so than the running backs. Frank, that's a that's thousand a great percent point. agree with yeah. you. Um, it's funny that you should mention that, actually, because in this, this consensus mock draft, um, Michael Carter is surrounded by Elijah Moore and Diami Brown, who I would both take over Michael Carter. Um, I do think as we get closer to the actual rookie drafts, we're going to see running backs start rising more because in need, running backs probably are going to start moving up the board. Um, especially when you see where they get drafted, you're probably more likely to fall in love with a running back in, in their situation more so than a wide receiver. So I'm just, I'm probably fading almost all of these running backs at their price when I consider the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, and even the tight ends that are likely going to be around them. Um, I think that wraps up this segment. Frank, if you want to lead us into our uh, final segment. All right. Um, so last week we looked at trends for breakout receivers, and we decided, hey, let's do the same thing for the quarterback position. Now, I will forewarn you that the quarterback position has much less – concrete okay here's a trend that we can follow because for just about every single trend there are a couple of examples that completely bust it now the first one and this is kind of all hyping up a single player from this year and that's rookies that have massive one-year success usually continue to have success and what I mean by massive one-year success I don't mean a six-game stretch or a nine-game stretch I mean over the course of the entire season. So we look at some of the recent examples. Dak Prescott scored a total of 286.88 points his rookie year. Kyler Murray, 285.28. Russell Wilson, 273.82. And Cam Newton, 370.34. Holy crap. And then you got your boy Justin Herbert here, who scored 332.84 points. Um, the only one you can really kind of argue didn't super pan out was Cam Newton, but even if you drafted Cam Newton, he got like four to five great years of production, including a yeah. year where he led the league in fantasy points, so I don't even think you can qualify that as a bust of a pick by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so, to me, I kind of came into the offseason thinking, Oh, Justin Herbert, he's a little bit overpriced. I understand he's really good, but I'm not ready to put you know, him over Dak Prescott, for example. I kind of think I might have rethought that whole thought process. I'm curious as to what you guys think. Maybe I'll throw it to JT here because he's the Justin Herbert owner. Maybe oh. Herbert's worth the hype. Maybe he's worth the price tag. Yeah, so actually, um, I've been a believer in Herbert. Well, I've been up and down with Herbert, right? So to give you like a very quick story of what happened, I drafted him at 112 in our league. Jake will be quick to let you guys know it's not because I won the league. It's because I traded for the 12th pick. 
Um, I drafted him there. <laughs> I had on my little draft day notes, like the the movie, like Justin Herbert, no matter what, because I knew he was going to fall that spot. And I knew I'd grab him. Really liked him. Was surprised at how well he played against Kansas City, right? But then I got scared of him, and I, I just got scared that he just kept throwing it to Keenan Allen. And I'm like, defenses are going to find him out. Defenses are going to lash on to what they're doing. So I, I traded him away. Then after a couple weeks, I was like, I made a big mistake. <laughs> so then I traded for him back, <laughs> um, which I probably don't recommend. I have no idea how you got him back. Yeah, I was lucky in the price that I got him back, but I would not recommend doing that, <laughs> um, trading a guy away and then just trading him back for him, which I've done too for a few guys. Uh, probably not the greatest draft strategy or uh, trading strategy, but yeah. Um, but then Frank mentioned Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott is one of the other quarterbacks that I owned. Um and I had decided for a while, probably about like week 10 or week 11, that I think Justin Herbert is just going to be a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, which is why I went and, and traded away Dak Prescott um, instead of Justin Herbert. And I'm rolling with him and, and Mahomes as my quarterbacks. Um, it's just that he's just got – I don't know if you guys saw. There's a video going around on Twitter. He's standing flat-footed flat-footed on the end zone and he just throws the ball and it goes like 60 yards uh, it's just incredible he's just got a rocket arm he's willing to fire it, it, the fearless and the confidence that he has like it's hard to teach that um you know you see guys like Tua that are kind of struggling with that right now and they've got to learn and that does come with experience at times but when you've got quarterbacks like that that are willing to just go and put on a rope in between zones and, and, and tight coverage, and they're hitting those guys in the back of the end zone like he did with Keenan Allen so many times. Um, it, it's hard to find those kind of quarterbacks, and when you've got them, like you got to go and either buy them or hold on to them. So I was looking at Justin Herbert on keep trade cut right now, and he is the quarterback five. Right? So rather than talk about quarterbacks let's pretend that we we don't have any needs we're just trading for pure value right would you guys rather have and this is a good one there, there are a couple players that you guys do own actually would we rather have christian mccaffrey cmc or justin herbert herbert Herbert. If it's a startup draft and I'm picking in the first round, I got my choice between the two. Herbert. All right. I, I was talking about just like right now, but yeah, I guess the startup does make everything kind of equal and fair. Um, that is something interesting to see right now because right, if we go to keep trade cut, currently Christian McCaffrey is ranked above Justin Herbert um, by a decent margin kind of too. But I would like to see startup drafts, and if it's the same for startup drafts, I, I kind of imagine it would be, to be honest. I think Christian McCaffrey would be going above Justin Herbert. Um, all right, that kind of, I'm assuming everyone would rather have Herbert than Saquon then? Yeah. I don't think there's a single running back I'm taking over Herbert. All right, so then. <laughs> I guess all we got to focus on then is, is the other quarterbacks, right? The only other quarterbacks that are currently ranked ahead of him are Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and Kyler Murray. Are you trading any of those guys for Justin Herbert straight up in a one-for-one no. one deal? No. Mm, no. I might think I about think it with five Murray. Is... Who, who'd you say, Frank? I, 
just looking at some of the things that I'll bring up in, in, in these future points, I might think about it for Kyler Murray, but probably not. All right. So he does seem like he'd be a tough guy to get. Then you get into the question of, like, would you give Jay-Z's up? He's just hyping up his own quarterback right now. I'm, I'm really not. Because I'm, I'm trying to talk about, like, like he is someone that like I feel like you should acquire, right? He's someone... I, I, I don't want to hype up my own guys, right? But I feel like if you can package a decent amount of players to get a player like Herbert... Just give up the farm. I, like, <laughs> I, I feel like you might not even have to give up the farm, right? But, like... Oops, sorry. Move my mic around there. Um, like, would you guys do A.J. Brown in a first for Justin Herbert? Or are you yes. keeping... Frank's in yes. Jake, are you trading A.J. Brown and a first for Justin Herbert? I mean, I'm assuming at that point, like, what first? I'm not trading A.J. Brown. I was going to say, where's the first? Mid, mid, like, 108. Random-ass yes. 2022 oh, yeah. first. How about Easy. that? Oh, Random-ass yeah, random 2022 first. I mean, is it oh, like... 2022 first, that's... That's insane value for Herbert. Even this year, like How about two I, I would have two twenty. I would have done a tw- and, and AJ Brown. Whoa, I would have done any twenty one. I would have done AJ Brown is like first. What were you gonna say, Jake? AJ Brown's like wide receiver one right now. I don't know if giving up him and two first for any I player. Think I would. So I mean, any player not named Patrick Mahomes is. Dude, I'm is, sold uh, on Herbert now. He. he Literally during this trend check thing, a, the the two quarterbacks that hit it hit it out of the park. Russell Wilson, who I've already loved and I target him in every league, and Justin Herbert. Those are the two guys. The only thing Justin Herbert didn't hit on, which is point number two, he didn't have a great third and fourth season simply because he just hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Real quick, Frank. Before you move on, so we're talking about. Frank's out here debating if he give up two first plus AJ Brown for Justin Herbert. If you go on keep trade cut, right? And again, I've warned people about using dynasty calculators and whatnot. But just AJ Brown and the 2021 mid first is telling you that you like that that's worth way more than than Justin Herbert. Like the Justin Herbert side, according to here, would also have to include a Debo Samuel. So an AJ Brown plus a 2021 mid first equals Justin Herbert and Debo Samuel. And to me, I feel like then you're getting Justin Herbert at a pretty solid, pretty solid price, if you ask me. Um, so it's definitely something that you should look out for. As a Justin Herbert owner, I'm probably not trading him. I'm just going to ride him off in a sub and set. Um, but if, if you could go out and you really want that franchise quarterback, I, I feel like there are definitely worse places you could go than trading up for Justin Herbert. Um, so, yeah, Frank, what were your next couple points? Okay, I'm going to skip a couple of points here because this will just really cement in why I think that even A.J. Brown in 222 first I think is still worth it for Justin Herbert because of this fact. Seven out of the 20 quarterbacks that finished top 20 in 2010 finished top 20 in 2020. That is ridiculous. Just think about that really quickly. Ten years ago... Seven of the quarterbacks that were top 20 also finished top 20 this year. Ago, uh, this year. Is, is that not completely absurd? Like, the, does that happen for any other position unless you have, like, Jerry Rice? Yeah. Julio Jones. 
even even then, yeah. like Antonio Brown had a long stretch of, um, he was the, like wide receiver one, but I feel like that was only like five years, six years maybe. Um, just having Julio was like eight, seven, eight. Yeah, I'm looking um, at Antonio Brown. Dude, buying, really? quarter, buying great quarterbacks, quarterbacks that you know have a play style and the talent to succeed for a very long time. It's like buying, you know, like a quality something that just lasts for a long time. I don't know, maybe like a really good quality shotgun, right? You just know that that thing will last for lifetimes. So there are plenty of other products, right? Like maybe a really good quality car or something or um, a super good quality blender. They just last for a long time. And Are you comparing are Justin Herbert to a blender? <laughs> a good quality ass blender. He's a ninja blender. It's a yeah, no, ass blender. Yeah, those ninja blenders, man, they're really good. Um, hold on, um, real quick. I just did but some. But they'll just be on your team. Frank, Frank's gonna slowly turn into Colin Cowherd with like these comparisons. <laughs> oh, no. and analogies. I, I, I just did some research. Uh, Julio Jones was a top. Uh, wide receiver one for seven years. He was a wide receiver two for for one year, so eight of his eight years. years, and that's like a unicorn. Like that's hard to find. Frank saying is seven of the top twenty <laughs> were were still in the top twenty ten years later, which is just a crazy number to think of. So like, if if you know you have a great quarterback, like it, it's like say four years ago. If you took Aaron Rodgers in the first round of your start, even pick one, you could say now, oh, well, shit, Aaron Rodgers isn't a consensus first-round pick. But, like, dude, if you kept him, that's fantasy points. Like, that's championship-level fantasy points that he has provided to your team in Superflex Leagues. Dude, you nailed down two of those motherfuckers? Holy crap. You are set for life. Like, you are li- if you nail down Justin Herbert and... I don't know, let's just say Trevor Lawrence, right? You could quite possibly be set at the quarterback position, barring anything catastrophic, for the next 15 years. You, you don't... What, you just need to get Alex Smiths at best. And, and I'm talking late-career Alex Smiths. Like, dude, that is... Re- and then you could focus all of your first-round picks and all of your other assets on building that championship-level roster. You don't even have to draft players anymore. You can literally just trade your picks for good vets, and then for that 15 years, 14 years, as long as they're on the field, you could be in that championship playoff scenarios. Yeah, and you're just creating a huge, a huge window to win as compared to, you know, the, the types that have the, uh, just talked about, like CMC and Kamara, or, or um, I don't know, Julio and... I'm trying to think of another Hopkins. top wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. Like, you're just creating that huge kind of window where it's much harder when you have the the wires. I get that you have good running backs or good wide receivers, but your window to win gets so much smaller because running backs, like, it's rare to find one that's a, a running back one for five years or a wide receiver one for, you know, six years kind of thing. Like, you just have a way bigger window to try and just hit on a couple prospects. And then if you hit on those prospects, it's easy sailing. Yeah, so I guess the takeaway in conjunction with the stat that I just said and what we've been saying for a while, which, you know, unsurprisingly, the quarterbacks that are at the top of the charts every year is the same group of guys. 
you know, you can go ahead. I, yeah, there's been a little bit of a changing of the guard recently with, you know, the Mahomeses and, and the Kyler Murrays and stuff. But, dude, you, you look the past 10 years, you're going to see, okay, uh, Aaron Rodgers is on there a whole lot. Um, Tom Brady's on there a whole lot. Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, you know. If you're able to nail down a couple of these guys, holy crap, you know, whether or not they're worth the price is not even the question. It's They'll just provide you such a consistent floor for your fantasy team that's huge. Um, so, yeah, quarterbacks, unsurprisingly, they last a long time. Go and buy them. They're super important in Superflex, and they're the piece to build your team around. If you suck, go ahead and just get quarterbacks. Give up the farm for quarterbacks. They are worth it in the end. Whether or not they go up or down in value, you buy quarterbacks for the long haul. You know, I've made the mistake of, oh, you know, I'll trade away a second-round pick for a Teddy Bridgewater last year so that I can compete. Dude, fuck that. You might as well just give up a couple first-round picks and get yourself a good quality quarterback that will last for a long time. Yeah, and my thing is, maybe you don't even have to give up the picks, right? So... I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. Uh, it's going to be a JT pat on the back session real quick. Um, last year, I really wanted Mahomes, and obviously Mahomes is, like, impossible to trade for. So at the time, I gave up Kirk Cousins, Joe Mixon, Odell Beckham Jr., and um, my first-round pick in, in this year's draft, the 2021 draft, right, uh, which it would end up being a mid-first. You put that in keep trade cut now, it's saying that Patrick Mahomes is worth more than all those guys combined. But just last year, you got to remember, Kirk Cousins was a, a fringe quarterback one. Uh, Joe Mixon was a definite running back one. OBJ was a, a wide receiver, high wide receiver two, maybe even a wide receiver one, like very late. Probably more I so wide receiver I think he was more two. of a wide receiver one. You know, he yeah. was, to some people, like wide receiver ten. And... Just think about how much changed in a year with the, the skill position players, right? So if you can move, like, a Dalvin Cook plus a, a 2021 mid-first plus trying to think of, like, kind of an older, like, a, I don't know, like a Cortland Sutton for... Let, let's see what that gets you on Keep Trade Cut real quick. We're doing just a... A live experiment. Oh, we're doing a live? Yeah, we're doing oh, a, a live segment right here. Dalvin Cook. Why not just make it my team, JT? I know you wanted to. No, just make do, it my team. Do you, oh, you, <laughs> you don't have a mid-first because you won our league, uh, although COVID year uh, doesn't count. Um, doesn't count. <laughs> and who was the wide who was <laughs> What wide receiver did I? Uh, I said Cortland Sun. You, don't have Cor you literally just have Dalvin Cook out of what I just said. And according to that, yeah, Jake, back yeah. off. According to that, you win Patrick Mahomes easily. The Patrick Mahomes side is supposed to include an Adam Thielen or a Curtis Samuel for that trade to be even. Okay, that's to keep trade okay. Cut. And who who wouldn't throw in a player of that caliber right now? Sure. That on, on the Patrick Mahomes side, like I, I mean, personally, I'm not trading Patrick Mahomes at that price. But you. Oh wait, it's saying it's saying you're giving up too much for Mahomes. Yeah, it's saying that you're giving yeah. up to the the. Dalvin Cook. Oh, I thought Cook I thought it said you had to give up. No, no. I Dal thought you meant you had to add Thielen to the to the non-Mahomes side. No, according to this, Dalvin Cook plus Cortland Sutton plus a mid-first and twenty. So pick like one hundred six gets you a Patrick Mahomes. You could get any quarterback you want 
at that price and just think what that's going to look like two years from now you're still going to have patrick mahomes with like eight years left on the deal dalvin cook's going to be 28 Cortland sun's going to be like 27 who knows what the mid first is going to be maybe it hits maybe it doesn't but you got patrick mahomes instead <laughs> you know you could you could you know kind of temper that deal down a little bit and you could still get a stud while a stud quarterback like maybe you take out Cortland Sutton, and that gets you Deshaun Watson. I don't know, probably doesn't, but Dalvin Cook plus a mid first could probably get you a very solid quarterback. And, and I feel like in a year or so, it's not going to look like a bad deal at all. So that's just something I'm willing to. Yeah, according to this, even Dalvin Cook plus a mid first gets you Patrick Holmes. So something I'd do. I'll do that. I won't. I'll get the mid first. I'll do it right now. Shake that, on it. That, that's also where I went on my uh, my uh, um, keep the floor, whatever we call it, uh, um, where I was talking about the trade calculators, right? If you can manipulate those for your advantage, <laughs> go ahead. Do it. I, I'm in favor of that. Manipulate those trade calculators to get the players you want. All right, but let's keep going. Let's yeah. keep going. All right. Other thing I noticed, real quick, let's start speed running these. Okay. First, um, third and fourth season are really important for long-term success, for the most part. There were, um, I mean, aside from the players that just go off early, you know, if you have a Patrick Mahomes that throws for 50 touchdowns in his second year, generally speaking, he's not just going to all of a sudden shit out. And I, I'm not talking about, you know, you can instant, you can type in, oh, well, but about Carson Wentz. He had half, less than half of that touchdowns, right? He had like, or not less than half. He had like... 27 touchdowns that one year. So, like, don't come out and say... That but he only had two interceptions. What's up? I'm just being Lunas. How many interceptions uh, did he have? It was yeah, 27 like, to what? You know, if you... No, he's talking about the... Um, what are you talking about? His 2019 season, or is it... Uh, I'm like talking yeah. about 2017. Oh, yeah, 2017? I think he had 33 that year. Yeah, so, like, even that... That's, like, 17 low from Mahomes' 50 touchdown year, his second year. So, like, that's different, completely different, right? But um, third and fourth season, very, very important because there were a whole lot of quarterbacks that played well early on. And I'm not even going to include Carson Wentz um, that fizzled out, that did pretty all right their first and second year, and sometimes even their third year, but fizzled out, you know, fourth, fifth, and beyond seasons. So a couple examples of this, Marcus Mariota, um, he had a pretty decent first and second season, and people weren't out here just enraged that he was a bust after his second year. He kind of just fizzled out. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, if you guys remember, his second season, what, they went like 12-4 and four and went to the playoffs. He had a pretty good year. Andy Dalton is another guy. Um, and some quarterbacks didn't have early success, but then kind of turned it up in year, year three and year four, usually both. And then from then on, they were all right. Um, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and then even Ryan Tannehill had a really good year three and was able to carry it out. So just in terms of really good and and all right, generally speaking, good year three and year four seasons was over 250 fantasy points. You know, there were plenty of guys that had like 230, 240 that definitely fizzled out. And generally speaking, you want to see a good year three and year four. Because we've seen guys like Jared Goff put up 310 in, in year three, then come back year four, put up like 238. 
and then kind of start fizzling out. And now he's traded, right? Not calling him a bust, but just his values just completely dropped, right? Um, the other thing, we'll speed run, keep going. Quarterbacks will have more guys break out later in their career than other positions. You're going to see guys like the Jimmy G's, the Drew Breeses, the Ryan Tannehill's that kind of just break out after five, six seasons sometimes. And then you'll have guys that'll break out that'll only last for like two, three, one season. Tyrod Taylor, Case Keenum, Matt Job. Usually if you have one of these guys, the sustained success is determined by draft capital. If you have a guy with some good draft capital, he has a much higher chance of sticking around if they break out late in their career than a guy with very little draft capital. And then the last thing is that touchdowns are king. Touchdowns are incredibly important and much more important than any of these other stats in terms of determining long-term success. If you ha you can look at countless and countless and countless examples of guys that weren't able to put the ball in the end zone consistently that fizzled out. Joe Flacco, um, Tyrod Taylor, a whole bunch of them, like Matt Schaub's, like all these guys. They don't last because they don't score. And on the contrary, as long as you don't throw a crazy amount of interceptions, <clears throat> James Winston, <clears throat> um, you'll have more of a leash. And even James Winston, who threw 30 interceptions is still in the mix for a possible starting quarterback job this season. You want to know why? Because he went out and was putting the freaking ball in the end zone. You know? Like, touchdowns are king. Much he might have been down 30 by that point, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the guys, and it's not necessarily that you need consistent touchdowns every single season. Guys like Aaron Rodgers will fluctuate from... 35 touchdowns to 26 and then go up to 48 but you just need to have those seasons where you have incredibly high upside seasons with scoring if you if you're a quarterback and you're kind of just sticking around oh i, I get 27 and then 24 and then 26 and then 22 you have a way shorter leash than a guy that has those big big upside seasons Yeah, and then just don't throw a shit ton of interceptions. The guys that throw a shit ton of interceptions generally don't stick around. Um, now, shit ton of interceptions is like over 16, 17 a year. Drew Brees consistently had 10, over 10 interceptions a season, but he also threw a lot of touchdowns. So as long as you have that touchdown-interception ratio around two, you'll generally be chilling. Um, it's a little bit different if you're Jameis and you've gotten set the record for interceptions. But even guys like Brett Favre, he had a crazy long career. Dude is the most interceptions of all time, right? Yeah, you even, have a uh, much larger leash if you score. Yeah, even um, Stafford earlier in his career, I think he had a year where he had like 18 picks, but then he had like 28 touchdowns. Yeah. So he's another um, example. Shout out to Jameis Winston for having the 30-30 year of touchdowns and interceptions. That's <laughs> incredible. It's something that's um, hard to find. Um, probably the greatest year I've ever seen in my life, honestly, let, if we're going to be honest. Let's run some scenarios. Okay. Um, okay, so we already kind of said Herbert's worth it. I believe proven quarterbacks are worth the price tag. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. What do you guys think, yes or no? I mean, yeah, Rodgers' price is iffy. He's 37. He's actually getting up there now. But Wilson, yes. Look, but what is the price tag when you're talking like Aaron Rodgers, right? So looking up 
People um, probably still want a first for him. Looking him up on Keep Trade Cups, he is worth, it appears to be, yeah, mid-first. A little less. Like Pick the two, uh, 108 is probably what gets you Aaron Rodgers, according to Keep Trade Cut. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, the, the point... I if I'm a quarterback away, yeah, sure. But other yeah. than that, no. I can. I was gonna say, like, get, in that trade, I would have to become a top two team in the league after that. I I can see the scenario actually where it does really work if you're around 110, 111. Like, so you're that team that you held on to your pick, you missed uh, the championship, or you lost in the finals, right? And you could use that quarterback. And then the team that has Aaron Rodgers is a team that's looking to get younger. I do see that pick 110 for Aaron Rodgers trade kind of working out. Like, I could see that definitely getting done. It's something I do think would work for both sides. Uh, that, is, that is a trade that I think both sides kind of win on. Um, and um, would say it's fair. Next thing. Is youth overvalued at quarterback? And I don't yes. mean Justin Herbert. Because Justin Herbert passed every possible check. I mean the Baker Mayfields, right? The, the more semi-unproven players. Just because they're young, they... they have this incredible price tag. I believe it is because I still think, like in every league that I've ever been in, Russell Wilson is just as good, if not better, than a lot of these flashy young quarterbacks. Yes, but how many flashy young quarterbacks are getting drafted ahead of Russell Wilson? Um, like that. Probably well, just Mahomes, but I'll take Mahomes over him. <laughs> Josh Allen, but I'll take Josh Allen. Kyler Murray... Deshaun Watson, Watson, Herbert, but I'll take Herbert. Um, Lamar Jackson. Would you rather have Lamar or Russell Wilson? And I, isn't Burrow Russ. consensus ahead of Russ right yeah, now? Yeah, that was that was the one guy that I'd say I probably would still rather have Russell Wilson over. Burrow is considered over Russell Wilson. Wowzers. That's all I got to say to that. Wowzers. <laughs> I, I get your point when you put it like that. Like we like, <laughs> and, and, and Baker, there there is a huge, huge teardrop. But um, quarterback nine is Russell Wilson. Quarterback ten is Baker Mayfield. Um, <laughs> when you put it like that, it sounds crazy. But then you look at like you throw in all the players, and and there is a big difference from Russell Wilson to Baker Mayfield. So it does make it a little better, I think. Um, yeah. I, All right, so we talked about if Baker Mayfield's overvalued just now. What do you guys think? I, yeah, sli- slightly, yes. Um, I think he might not be. I think when you put it like quarterback 10 and say that he's overvalued, I guess, but I, I just think he's a young person who had a very good you know, profile. He had a very good rookie season. He had one of the worst situations in the NFL and has been able to produce with it. Um, he had a down year this year, but a lot of that can be attributed to, you know, like he played a game without any wide receivers. He played games in monsoon conditions. Like he also has two of the best running back like he's got the best running back duo in the league so there's a lot of situation that goes against baker mayfield but from what i've seen from baker mayfield i do like and i do think he's going to be one of those guys that consistently is 
uh, a low-end quarterback one, but albeit a quarterback one. So I, I don't think he's overvalued. I think he's valued right where I think he should be. All right. All right. I think that's a good place to cut it off, though. Um, Next week, we could talk about, um, you know, retool versus rebuild. We'll also be a day before the free agency window actually opens up. Um, But I'm sure some stuff will start to leak before then because it always does in the NFL. It's the NFL. Um, So we'll probably have some big news for you guys going into it. And then the following week, we'll have even bigger news. Um, Yeah, I I think that's it. Anything you guys want to add or are we signing off? All right. I think that's it. See you guys. Thanks, guys.